I'll get you a satanic mechanic. I feel like he crunches his esophagus into his spinal column, which is an awkward thing to say because he has uh, hit a stroke and he's in a wheelchair now. Wolf. Hey, welcome to Your Inner Child is an Idiot, the podcast where we look back on things from our childhood and see if they're any good. My name is DJ. Hi, DJ. First off, I want to thank you for the birthday gift of You're welcome. Uh, letting me uh, watch one of my favorite movies um, for our podcast. This Not is this a, one, uh, the yeah. podcast that we just record on our own um, and then email to each other. <laughs> Surprise. Uh, we like this movie, <laughs> but it's been and it's been great recording with you. Here's yeah. our patrons. <laughs> so we're gonna watch Clue um, from the year that Damon will say when I point to the screen. 1987. Is that right? I. Uh, you know what? If I put money, I would feel confident, but I would probably also just put money on Ooh. put money on black. Ooh. Uh, uh. 1985. Fuck. Earlier than I thought. And yeah, the CGI, I, now that I think about it, the CGI on this is is pretty rudimentary, so. While I'm here, Tim Curry, Leslie Ann Warren, Madeline Kahn, there's your, that's what you're waiting for. That's my lady. That's my lady. Christopher Lloyd, of course, Colleen Camp, Martin Mull, Michael McKean, mm-hmm. uh, and others. Um <laughs> So and the rest. <laughs> um I know you so you love this movie. Love. This is a known quantity. I I have enjoyed this movie. I watched it again with Lauren last Halloween because that's the kind of movie that we like to watch on Halloween <laughs> because it's not scary at all. But there is lightning and thunder. So there's a there's an element it's, of It's scariness. got a little bit of a I know we're You not, never know when it's going to when the lightning's yeah. going to strike. Yeah. It's got that like kind of Halloweeny vibe. It's in a, yeah. it's a murder mystery. It's in a it's a spooky house. I know we're past spooky season now, um, but uh, did you I have know to be that honest? Fifty seven percent of all murders occur on Halloween. Is that true? No, no, it absolutely isn't. not. Absolutely, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, not even remotely true. Why I'm offended that you would even ask if it was true. It's like what is this? The fucking purge? Get out of here. <laughs> um. So we watched this last year. So that's that's the last, the most recent time I've seen it. And this has happened a couple of times that I've watched Clue over the years. I tend to start to kind of zone out around two thirds of the way through, mm-hmm. and it doesn't make me like hate the movie. But I have to bring that up because DJ, that, thank you. For do your you think honesty. that's fair? I actually, the funny thing about Clue, I don't watch it super regularly, but probably maybe once every two years now that I'm firmly in my adulthood, I'll, I'll sit down and watch Clue. I, the funny thing to me is that it is, a, from, I'm the opposite in that I started mm. and I'm like, is it always so slow? Um, yeah. And it feels like, oh, I always associate this movie with being sort of zany and like fast paced. And I think that the movie, at least for me, like it gets more and more it's like a perpetual motion machine and like gets faster and faster and faster and faster as it goes and it starts out really slow and not super funny and i'm very conscious of it because this is one of those movies um that when i'm um torturing uh those i love (laughs) that i'm like oh let's watch this and i'll just watch you watch it 
and gauge mm. our friendship based on your reaction to it. Okay. And every time, you know, that anxiety of watch, having someone watch one of your favorite movies, I'm just like, is it always so slow? Why is, why is there no jokes at the beginning of this movie? <laughs> it's just very awkward. Um, but then it really uh, speeds up as it goes. Especially, like, I, I feel like at the two-thirds mark is when, like, Tim Curry sort of, like, blows in a good way um the last act and it's just like i'm gonna just recount the entire movie that we've been through already at like a frenetic sweaty uh pace um see that feels like everyone else is just sort of chasing through the through the thing it's the whole like last third of the movies Mm. like recounting what you've already seen Maybe it's hap- yeah. I'll have to I'll have to see if it happens again if the lull happens to me again and I'll have to pay closer attention to where it happens. Although I'll be paying closer attention because I'll be taking notes for a podcast. That I'm it's not a great. It's not a with great my uh, case. Other study. podcast co-host. What? Schmayman. Oh, I might have known. Schmayman. <laughs> now we have BJ and Schmayman. <laughs> <laughs> Our arch nemesis. But you know what? Schmayman, you're alike, you and I. Did you play the I hate you, board game but I Clue you. a lot? Um, not really a lot. Um, we've talked uh, previously on the show uh, about my lack of friends um, <laughs> in, in high school and middle school. Hard to get a ga- board game going when there's <laughs> literally no one around. Oh, um, buddy. I think, though, we uh, occasionally will pull a clue out... Um, <laughs> For holidays, uh, high holy days, feast, feast days, <laughs> we'll we'll. Pl- I think a few years ago we played Clue Master Detective, which is the only version of the game that we have in our home. Okay. Um, and uh, it's uh, it was a favorite. I can't remember who won that game, so it must not have been me because I would have tattooed that into my brain. Yeah. yeah. Um, had I won, you'd be still riding high on that hog. Mm-hmm. This is one of my all-time favorite movies. Um, it's one of my favorite movies to quote. Um, it is, uh, flames. Oh oh my my God. It's such, I will talk about that movie, that moment in depth, uh, (laughs) when we get to the, uh, the other half of this podcast. But I remember though, it was a movie that we rented a lot in maybe the early nineties. And then there was sort of a period where, I we we didn't rent it as much, and it never really was on TV. Um, and then one time we saw, probably for Halloween, Comedy Central was going to was going to have a, a fleet of like scary-ish movies. So, just so you know, your thinking is very similar Thank to you. a late '90s, early 2000s Comedy Central executive. <laughs> they were they were very formative to me. <laughs> The executives. It must have been the 90s because me and my brother were like, we have to record this off of the television onto video cassette so we can watch it when air we want. So we did that. And that became of worse and worse quality as we do so. (laughs) And we'll have to like pause the recording to get these commercials out of here and then uh, replay when the commercials are over. Anyway, it must have been in the 90s because that was all on VHS. And I think we thought we had struck gold because then we could watch it all we wanted, which is fantastic. And then it was one of those movies that was always like $5 DVD. Whenever you went anywhere, there was a $5 DVD of Clue. Mm. 
However, it is one, I feel like it's very similar, I put it in the same box as The Princess Bride in that I don't remember anyone seeing it in theaters, everyone knows it from renting it as a kid or catching well, it on were TV. Like three years old. <laughs> well, that's true. Out. But I I, uh, <laughs> I still don't, I don't know of anyone that actually, it feels like a cult movie that people rented. Like right. you never, yeah. stop ruining my story about never seeing in theaters. Yeah, it <laughs> just, doesn't make sense that I would see it in I'm the just saying, I'm just picturing you like smoking a stogie and people like, sir, you need to put that out in it's a movie the theater. It's the scene in Citizen, Citizen Kane, not Citizen Kane, Cape Fear, um, where I'm just laughing in a Hawaiian shirt, smoking a cigar and annoying Nick Nolte's family in the back row while Being I laugh three, at Madeline As Kong. a three-year-old. <laughs> But then I feel like it's one of those movies now that everyone around our age is sort of familiar with, kind of like yeah. The Princess Bride, and that we all saw it at some point. But apparently they released it with three different endings in theaters. <gasps> like, you would see each ending depending on what theater you, you saw it in. Really? And it was only on video that you saw the three endings sort of cobbled together, which I think oh. is actually, I mean, I haven't seen this... This these these this theatrical version where you would see one ending and that's it, but I feel like the movie works better with the three endings. Oh yeah, I loved the three endings. Yeah, that's like probably my favorite part is the frenetic reenacting of everything, and then they're like, okay, but here's what actually, <laughs> or it was like, what does it say? Like here, that's how it might have been happened but how about this yeah and then they just throw another one in and then there is one that says but here's what actually happened yeah love that it's great let's see if it holds up from the last time you watched it last week (laughs) i've been actually i have it on mute here off to the side it's always playing in my house (laughs) uh tell me tell me about you have a uh a slight I wouldn't say obsession is the wrong word. You have a strong affinity for Madeline Kahn. Is it come from this movie exclusively? What else? I mean, this, this, um, was probably the first movie I ever saw with her in it. Um, I was three when it came out. Um, so it'd be hard to get in just (laughs) earlier than, uh, my first words were Madeline Kahn. You began Um, memorizing (laughs) semi obscure actresses from a bygone era because you knew that later it would be a, Big part of your comedic stylings. <laughs> uh, I don't know. There's something about uh, this. Probably is a. There's probably some sexism here, but I hate it when attractive men are funny, which seems to be the new norm in stand-up comedians. That like men, like all stand-up comedians, are like super jacked now and like oddly attractive. And I'm like, what is this? Where are all the ugly horse-faced men I grew up with? <laughs> Um, where's our Richard Belzers and our Jerry Seinsfelds? Seinsfeld or say Seinfelds, but don't say both, DJ. <laughs> okay. It just right. doesn't work. You just can't. Do you want to retake throw it? S's around. <laughs> nah, keep it. But I love it when pretty ladies are funny. And Madeline mm. Kahn is a very pretty lady who is funny. I think she has a weird, chaotic nature to her. It's like she's, she's very. Um, in this movie, she is a widower. Yeah. Uh, no, wrong. A widow. <laughs> she is a widow. But, you know, uh, gender is fluid, so come on. True. It's a construct. She could be a widower if she wants. Yeah, you're right. She is a widow in this, and she's like in all, she's got a veil when she first arrives. She's all in black and slowly, you know, takes off her veil, uh, like at the halfway point, like switches to a 
takes off her overcoat. But what I'm saying is like she's very like prim and proper, or as Tim Curry calls her, pale and tragic, when she first arrives in the movie. And like slowly she becomes a little bit more unhinged until like the apotheosis, which is her flames monologue that everyone has memorized. But even like movies like High Anxiety, which is Mel Brooks's like take on Hitchcock movies, she also is very like high energy, chaotic, a frenetic, frenzied woman um, who has the appearance of someone who's got her shit together, mm. but she is charmingly uh, out her weird. Mind. She's yeah. like outside, and, and um, there's a really great scene where she gets uh, where. You know what? I'm not going to tell it. <laughs> I'm about to see it. I'll see it. All this to say, she's great. So fuck you forever maligning her name. Okay. <laughs> We're going to watch Clue. Watch along with us. We'll be right back. I'm going to describe how to support us on Patreon by reenacting it a la Tim Curry at the end of Clue. Okay, so you're going to run to your computer. Uh, but then you notice uh, your child is on the computer, still uh, schooling from home. And so you have to run back to the kitchen where you left your phone. Then you're going to open your phone, go to Hypertext Transfer Protocol. Uh, shit, I fucked that up. Go, open your Get phone. Get on with it! <laughs> you're gonna open your phone. <laughs> yeah. To make a long story short. Too late. You're gonna go to hypertext transfer protocol colon backslash backslash worldwide web period. Your inner child is an idiot. Period commercial. And there you'll find a way to sign up. You're gonna sign up for, um, you know, a dollar an episode? Five dollars an episode? Eight hundred dollars an episode? I, you know, whatever you wanna do. Oh, I don't know what that uh, level would be. I feel you, like I'd have to like sit on their lap or something weird. Eight hundred dollars an episode. Picks. We will, yeah, we will pretty much do whatever they do on Only OnlyFans. And I, <laughs> I don't know. I definitely don't know about it. So it's a perfectly upstanding website. Um, you know, just don't don't start a sex worker website and then try and get rid of all the sex workers. Yeah, that's. If you don't want sex workers there, don't start at a site that's obviously designed for sex work. If you want one that wasn't, but could be, your inner child is an idiot. <laughs> and we are back. We watched Clue. Yes. That sounds, it seems like there's more words to it, but it's just a one word title. I mean, so. if you need to fill a, if you need to fill a, like if you're writing a song where Clue is part of it, but you still have two beats or three clue, beats. Woo, clue, clue, woo, the, woo. clue the movie or Clue Woo Woo. Clue Woo Woo is what I would do. I, mean, I know you do a lot of uh, doo-wop groups, um, so <laughs> yeah. they can do the woo-woo-woos. Clue, ooh-ooh-ooh. And you don't know if they're just saying ooh after the word clue, or if they're continuing the word clue. Yeah, I mean, are they grossed out by clue? It's really up to the interpretation of the listener, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> You're such an artist. Yeah. That's what I like about you. Not directed by John Landis, but written by John Landis? It always confused me because it's uh, co-written by Jonathan Landis, but written and directed by Jonathan Lynn. I feel like there should be a rule, like one of you has to change your name. Yeah, you can't You do can't this. have Jonathan Lynn and John, John Landis co-writing together. That's too confusing. Get I can't pseudonym. handle it. Hey, Richard Bachman, borrow it from Stephen King. Written and directed by John Landis. Sorry. Sorry. John Lindis. John Lindis. Here's a fun fact. Please. Didn't realize that was not Susan Sarandon. 
Wait, wait, wait in, in what capacity? Uh, what's her name? As, the one that looks exactly like Susan Sarandon. Leslie Ann Warren? Yes. <laughs> don't funny. pretend like you don't know. Did you just sort of just uh, turn Rocky Horror Picture Show into a Yeah, I, mem- I memory hold it. I memory Michael hold McKeon it. is uh, Brad. Yes. <laughs> Leslie Ann Warren plays Janet, and then Susan Sarandon plays Mrs. Scarlet, and uh, I don't remember the gentleman who plays Brad in real life. I do think uh, Leslie Ann Warren looks way more like Susan Sarandon than... Brad and uh, Michael McKean look like, although they do have many similarities. They've got um, a similar vibe. They've, they've got, got yeah, they've got the characters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> the, <laughs> the immediately sitting down when he says "sit" to the dogs. <laughs> that's a good bit. It's a good. It's a bit. solid bit. Yeah. Do you want to recap? And then I thought we would do the obvious thing and get the quotes out of the way and just like, just that's get about, them out of our system. Unfortunately, that's all I have. So I'll be done <laughs> when we do that. I don't know if I can. So uh, I'll, I'll recap this in the most general way because it's a murder mystery. So it can get kind of complex. But um, a variety of people um, are invited to a, uh, a big, dark, scary house uh, for a dinner party. Um, and they're given pseudonyms, so they don't know each other, and they don't know their real names, and the pseudonyms match the board game, uh, Colonel Mustard, et cetera, et cetera. Um, through the course of the evening, uh, people start dropping like flies. Several people are dead, and they're trying to figure out who did it, why they're all brought there. And we get three different endings of what could have happened versus what actually happened, which is that they kind of all did it. And the butler, played by Tim Curry, was actually the person who brought them there and that was blackmailing him the whole time. But then yeah. there, uh, he's shot by, well, by Michael McKean, but by, who's Mr. Green, who is actually working for the FBI. And he's, he's a going to go home and have intercourse with his wife. Weird way to leave. Po- I mean, it? possibly one of the worst lines from a good movie to end on. It's so, uh, such a weird, <laughs> such a weird line. Yeah. That's uh that's fair enough. Good good yeah. uh, good good what have you. Good recap. It's obviously way more complex than that as far as the actual happenings, but Right. I mean the the story is that they're all being blackmailed by a person named Mr. Body and they all find out Mr. Body. Get it? Get um it. and they all they all find out that he has a web of informants that are also at the house in in various roles and those dun, people dun, start dropping dun. off and Mr. Body dies and yada yada yada. So yeah. let's uh, let's get the obvious out of the way. It's a very quotable movie, and I yes. feel like we would just get swamped uh, with quotes. So yeah. I feel like we should just get it get it out of our system. Is it Mrs. Ms. White? Madeline Kahn is Mrs. White. Mrs. White plays kind of like a Black Widow sort sort of character, mm-hmm. and so someone at one point says, "How many husbands have you had?" She says, "Mine or other women's." <laughs> was that her? or Was that Miss Scarlet? No, that's her. Yeah. I thought that was great. That was a good uh, line. The first line that actually makes me laugh is uh, at some point uh, when they're arriving, Miss Scarlet's car breaks down on the way. She gets picked up by Professor Plum, and they realize they're going to the same event. Um, and they stop at the gate to the house, and Miss Scarlet goes, why is the car stopped? And Christopher Lloyd, uh, just barely peering over his, his steering wheel, says, it's frightened. <laughs> <laughs> and it always gets a laugh out of me. <laughs> Can you keep a secret? Yes. So can I. <laughs> I thought that was, I remember thinking that was really funny as a kid and I would try to use that. In, I remember. It never uh, quite works in real life. Because people always. Would, the conversation that way? 
people would always just say no. <laughs> no, I'm terrible at it. I'm so glad that I finally have someone to confide in that I'm so terrible at keeping secrets. And you're like, I've been holding <laughs> this in. <laughs> Thank you, DJ. Thank you. <laughs> I do like um, uh, when they're, uh, they've br- brought the motorist into the house and then they're sort of splitting up to look, at, look around the house to see if there's anyone else that might be killing these people off. Um, and he, uh, Colonel Mustard stops to look in the study and uh, Miss Peacock is like, everything all right? And he's like, oh yeah, two corpses, everything's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but he like says it sincerely because it's like, there's no more. There's no more corpses. corpses. Thank God. We only have the two known corpses (laughs) that we already were aware of. I used to quote all the time, just because I say it several times in all the different endings, communism is just a red herring. Yeah. And if people had seen the movie, they'd always be like, "Ah." but otherwise you're just like, what? Why'd you say that? You're just saying Um, that every time someone says the word communism. (laughs) (laughs) I also, as a kid, really liked Wee Wee Madame because it's about pee. It's we we even damn. No, I just I had that one in my nose. This movie's very, uh, it's very quotable, and it's also very, um, it's very quotable in the sense that it has like, it feels like a movie that sprints. You know what I mean? Like there will be like these quick moments, and then a pretty big lull in between, where there's sort of a lot of exposition, a lot of stuff yeah. going on, and then like some quick witty, quick delivery lines, and then it kind of goes back to it. And I'm not sure if I. If I dislike that or like it, because if it's like, I don't know if I could take like, if the machine gun lines like kept going, I might get like exhausted by it. It would get a very exhausting. It's a very interesting movie in that it's very quotable, but honestly, I think a lot of the quotes are very specific to the way they are delivered. Yeah. Um, I think uh, one of the strengths of this movie is that I was trying to think like it's made in 1985. Yes. There's not really, at the time it was made, one of these like really breakout stars. None of these people are probably a huge star. I mean, Madeline Kahn, of course, was like in part of the 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 um, the Mel Brooks sort of troupe, and uh, she was Leslie Ann Warren had just done Thelma and Louise. <laughs> um, she kept tweeting at Deborah Messing mean things, which was weird <laughs> in 1985. She had to mail <laughs> one hundred character tweets to, to Deborah Messing, who was like in her early twenties. It's a very <laughs> weird choice. But I yeah, I mean I think Leslie Ann Warren is probably best known as like the she was in Rogers and Hammerstein's Cinderella. Madeline Kahn had been nominated for an Oscar, so had Eileen Brennan. Uh, Michael McKeon would probably be best known from Laverne and Shirley. Christopher right. Lloyd is probably still like Best this is known at the this same time. year as, yeah. as Back to the Future. Yeah, he's probably still best known as that guy from Taxi. Uh, he, and, it's a very uh, one flew like, over the cuckoo nest. Cuckoo's right, nest. exactly. Yeah. Um, and Tim Curry is also still probably best known for Rocky Horror Picture Show. I mean, yeah, he's he probably the best, biggest things. star at this point. Yeah, I'm trying to. I was trying to think. Like, I feel like they're all kind of like at the same level, and I think they're also a lot of actors who are fairly established in their careers at the same time. Yeah. So I think they're very comfortable in like playing these sort of comic roles. And I think they also know how to be in an ensemble cast and yeah. not try and like, I mean, I was about to say don't chew the scenery, but there's plenty of scenery chewing, Yeah. but not like, I don't feel like they're trying to steal the scene from someone else. It I definitely feel like feels they're like very a sc- much, it's very much an ensemble cast, yes. and it all seems very well-weighted. The only odd person out, I would think, is Leslie Ann Warren, but I think she holds her own, for the most part, amongst these like really more comic actors. Yeah, she does a good job. I, I mean, he's not a, a major character, but I mean, the guy who plays Mr. Body is awful. He's like 
high school drama <laughs> level awful. I did write, um, um, leaving isn't great, but he's not around for long. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's like, I, you know, if anybody's going to get cast that is kind of a weaker actor, it's in those roles and it's fine. You know, like I think the, the woman that plays Yvette gets more to do, but she doesn't get a ton to do. So I don't really, I don't really, I mean, she's doing this very fake French accent that's supposed to be fake. Right. And we are, it is revealed later yeah. that it is in fact fake. And so it's, it's like, you could dog her accent, but it's also like, it's kind of supposed to be hacky, you know? Yeah. And the, I mean, I have no idea whether the- And she's playing like a caricature and that's yes. also probably, you can, maybe it's a limitation of her acting, but it, you can also attribute it to right. her playing a fake French maid. Leaving, who plays um, Mr. Body, is uh, the front man for the Los Angeles-based punk band Fear that was popular in the 70s mm-hmm. and 80s, which- and- his name is a verb. A, I like uh, I like a good a gerund. gerund name. <laughs> yeah, he's probably the only odd one out. He's a little stiff, pun. Um, but uh, it's, that's why it's, they did it. It's not. It's not too. Uh, it's not too bad. Where he, since he's only really in the first maybe. He's only in the movie for maybe ten minutes. I think total before he yeah, at least yeah. fakes fakes his death initially, and then really uh, acts out his death shortly thereafter. It's also like you can kind of, because it's a campier, like silly movie, you can sort of get away with it a little bit more than if it were a dramatic film, you know, like where you'd be like, whoa, this guy is dragging this whole thing. I didn't feel that. I mean, it's noticeable because everybody else is kind of like, it's still, like I said, campy, but they're, they're like given these, you know, one-liners and he's also like not a comedic character that much. He's, he's the like, immediate villain because he's at least play acting as the person who's blackmailing them when they get there you know um right and so he's kind of doing the well whatever he's like not acting like prim and proper like everyone else he's not even yeah. pretending but also and he's like, supposed to be kind of sleazy which i mean he's yeah. sort of dressed in the time i mean this is the mid 50s right yeah he's kind of dressed in a kind of like a low-level mobster kind of way kind of looks like a good fella uh, your middle management of a <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. um yeah, he, he's got like uh, two-tone shoes and, you know, just like sort of a, a shark skin blazer and, and that he's just sort of a little skeezy looking. He's snapping a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, he goes to a knife fight in a high school gym. Yeah. All the hits. He's got a man in his trunk. <laughs> oh, he's just a guy. I'm trying to think. While we are c- criticizing the film, uh, this film does commit one of my biggest pet peeves in movies, which is What's the that? people wearing glasses are constantly taking off their glasses. <laughs> um, at the risk of stepping over a much better uh, Jim Gaffigan bit, like you can't see without your glasses, so you leave your glasses on. Um, and that's why it's always telling, you can tell that Christopher Lloyd actually wears glasses in real life because he never takes off his glasses in this movie. But everyone else is constantly constantly taking them off to make a point and then putting them back on. I think uh, Mrs. Peacock accidentally pokes her own eye with her her glasses because she keeps taking them off. It drives me batty. I don't understand why that's a thing. You're wearing glasses because you cannot see. Why would you do that when you're trying to make a point at someone and you can't even see the reaction of the person you just made a point at? It's such a trope that I didn't even notice it. You know what I mean? Like... (laughs) I, I'm sure that's happening a lot, but it's just like, it's such a common like way to emphasize your point, you know, by an actor that it's like, yeah, I was going to uh, make fun of when they're eating 
dinner the, what the second course is but they actually talk about it later because i was like what are they eating pure gelatin because it looks like <laughs> it's like pale white just like goo it goo. looks like pale white goo and then, and then later they're like it's, it's monkey brains <laughs> they, they started with a course of shark fin soup and yeah. then later moved to monkey's brains <laughs> I couldn't tell, in watching this, the cook in the movie, who sadly is the second to perish, or possibly the first, I can't figure out the timeline of when Mr. Body died. She is Asian, Asian American, and if it's like a little bit racist that they're making shark fin soup and then monkey's brains, and then the whole twist is that, I mean, Mm. she used to work for Mrs. Peacock, and Mrs. Peacock at least in two of the endings, kills her. And she thus informed Mr. Body about Mrs. Peacock. That's how Mrs. Peacock got blackmailed. But it does feel a little bit of like maybe at least othering or like a little bit a little bit gross, but not to the point where I'm like, this is absolutely reprehensible. It just feels... It's not as pointed odd. as like Temple of Doom. Absolutely not. Right. Um, <laughs> where they where also like, eat monkey's brains, by yeah. the way. It was a yeah. good year for monkey's brains. <laughs> You had to go to your store. They're always out. You're like, oh, when am I going to get to have monkey's brains? Everyone keeps buying up all the monkey's brains. Yeah, growing up in this era of film made me think that I'd be facing that at a dinner party a lot more than I really have. (laughs) It's never come up. Weird. (laughs) But you're coming over on Saturday. We're going to have a delicious gelatin dish. It's going to be white goo on a plate. I won't tell you what it is. But I guess it also plays into the fact that Mrs. Peacock, it's her favorite recipe, Right. So it would be very specific. The fact that you would remember it would be it would be a very specific dish. But I don't know. It felt a little weird that there are not many people of color in this movie. I'll admit, and uh, the fact that there's there's all these sort of like very exotic dishes uh, coming out of the the kitchen seems. Um, yeah, I didn't I didn't put that together. Specific, very it's, specific. It's not. Yeah, it's not incredibly pointed. Just be. Partially because that character, the the chef, is like not in the movie hardly at all. Right. Like she has one moment in the beginning when she her corpse sc- is, but she isn't. Well, she, yeah, she kind of scares uh, Tim Carey's character with a knife for, in a moment, and then just says, "Dinner will be ready." Or yes, when he asks if dinner right. will be ready, and that's it. That's like her only line, isn't it? And then, I think so. Yeah. And then she's we see her body later. And she's watching the McCarthy hearings. But don't worry about it. It's just a red herring. Oh. Yeah. And I, mean, I thought actually, we were talking more about more, more, uh, more dishes that were coming later when we were talking about red herring. Oh, that we see. If yeah. only they hadn't cut dinner short. Yeah. I think the more offensive thing for Mrs. Ho, the chef, is that she uh, she gets she's the butt of a lot of fat jokes later on. Maybe not a lot of fat jokes, but a number of of fat jokes when they're moving her body around, like um, physical comedy fat jokes. Kind of. Yeah, like they they, they yeah. literally are having yeah. trouble moving her body around uh, yeah. in a way they don't necessarily have with uh, the singing telegram or Mr. Body later on. Yeah. But that that also is short lived. It's maybe two or three. Uh, jokes that expense they're kind of cheap but uh they breeze by pretty quick i i would think at one point they they when the cop shows up they (laughs) pretend they have this like pretend party where they're holding up her body Mm -hmm. and like and colonel mustard is making out with her yeah in the in the curtains but someone Peacock yeah. is performing the arms. She's pretending to be the arms, just like... And she makes a great sound, which is something like, uh... 
<laughs> and I can't tell if it's supposed to be her being actively traumatized or, or right. if if she's trying to make like sort of, uh, you know, make out sounds. <laughs> It's yes. very disturbing. That whole thing is weird. But I it does make me laugh almost straight through uh, that whole scene because uh, you have Mr. Green, who's so nervous and anxious, having to show the cop around, but he only can show him three rooms. <laughs> and the cop immediately uh, takes the lead and is like, I want to know what's happening in these two other rooms that you're specifically not showing me. And uh, they haven't informed Mr. Green what their plan was. And he goes in and just uh, sees all the other guests essentially making out with dead bodies and then uh he goes to, he goes to the other room and the motorist who had been bludgeoned over the head is uh posed to look like he's uh, drunk and blacked out also funny and then uh they confront wadsworth who was on the phone and he's he's like i can explain everything and he's like you don't have to explain anything. he's cool about it he's, he's like just make this is a out. free country don't you know that curry <laughs> says i didn't know it was that free and then the cop turns to mr green and mr green gives one of the most goony smiles <laughs> uh never ceases to fail to get me i think uh you know spoiler i think michael mckean might be my my secret mvp my Catherine o'hara He's not the most obvious choice, I don't think, because you've got such strong performances from Tim Curry and Madeline Kahn. But he might have made me laugh the most. I think what uh, I think you're. I mean, I don't know if I, I'm going to give him the award, but I think you are on strong ground, solid ground. <laughs> um, he does do a lot of like physical comedy in this. He's yeah. constantly like he's sort of the um, he gets wrapped up in being like a prop body for Tim Curry when ter- Tim Curry's sort of recounting the entire movie again in the One last time he act. he just trips him with his foot. That's he just trips so- him and he's like, at this point, Mr. Body is dead. And he trips Mr. Green who lands like face first onto the ground. And it's not, it's Michael McKeon. It's not, so they didn't like quick cut to a stunt double. It's Michael yeah. McKeon falling on the floor. And then later on, he picks Mr. Michael McKeon back up and then pushes him down again just for the fun of it. Uh, and he also, um, he like chases Michael McKeon into the hallway and like hits him over the head with his hand to mimic like being hit by a candlestick. Uh, and then Mr. Green does say, will you stop that? And then gets picked up and thrown into a bathroom. <laughs> but don't worry, he gets to pee. So He does get to pee. I also like another bathroom joke with Mr. Green is during the second ending when, we're, when we find out that uh, the chef was M- Mrs. Uh, Miss Peacock's chef <laughs> he finds out that they ate monkey's brains and he goes is that what we ate and he goes into the bathroom to throw up this is actually despite how many times i've seen this movie this is the first time i've ever noticed this um while he's in the bathroom mrs peacock eventually just confesses that she has done it and she holds everyone like at gunpoint and michael mckeon comes out of the bathroom and sort of he doesn't realize what had happened and he realizes that she's holding everyone hostage and he sort of like stumbles over himself realizing that that she's admitted to being the killer oh i didn't see that dang it this is a movie i mean i think that this is a movie back to the ensemble cast that you could literally watch like seven times and decide i'm just going to watch michael mckeon this time right yeah because it's such a tight ensemble and like unlike the usual thing you get with an ensemble cast this is very much they're in the same place like most of the time. If not yeah. absolutely together, they're still in the same house. But even for the majority of the movie, they are in the same room together. Yeah, it's, it's a lot it's more like a play. Like, yeah. yeah, it's like a stage play, I was about to say. So you can really just like choose a person that you want to focus on for a viewing. And and they're all, because they're, again, such strong comic actors, they're always reacting. They're always giving you something in the background. Yeah, It's right. really kind of amazing. 
And I, in fact, uh, you mentioned stage play. Like this sort of got, uh, I, th- I don't know if people still do it, but for a while people were doing this like Rocky Horror where people would perform it in front of the movie uh, theater screen, <laughs> uh, at, like midnight showings. <sighs> we were talking about things that we didn't notice before. I noticed for the first time all the dog poop stuff. Like in the beginning, uh, we just see uh, Wadsworth like come up and he's like, he feeds the dogs this like, they're mean dogs out front, and he feeds <laughs> them. The, the breed is mean. Is, yeah. uh, what are they, German Crunchy, Shepherds? I believe, wrote they? a song about them. <laughs> yeah. He like gives them raw T-bones, and then as he's walking in, he, he like notices he steps on in dog poop. And uh, so he like wipes his feet off, but like he's – people are keep – every time he walks by them, people are like <laughs> – yeah, and it's it's a bit for the, it does like go away pretty soon, but for the first I don't know what like ten minutes of the of the movie, yeah. it's like pretty much everyone reacts to it, and I never really I I'm sure I noticed that at some point, but I didn't like remember that. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it is a um, it's kind of like a cheap joke. Yeah, um, but I think it is a nice. It's not my favorite joke by any means, but it is a nice sort of introduction to like even though this will be styled very much in the format of like an Agatha Christie, like, and then there was none and then there were none. Um, there is like a silliness. And I think even though the movie, I think starts out slow purposefully, um, they do like find some good like bits, just be like, Hey, uh, this does get sillier. Just hang with us for a little bit for right. the, for the sort of table setting. Literally. But the poop joke. Mm. Uh, the poop joke is a little bit of a, a low blow, I feel like, at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, it's 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 cheap, but it's also like... Whenever I'm forcing it on someone, I'm like, it get, it, the, the jokes get better than this poop joke. I just want you to know that. I do kind of like the way that some of the characters handle it, though, because they all think it... No one realizes it's him. <laughs> and so they all think it's them, and so they all mm-hmm. check their shoes, and they all, like, at first just kind of like, what is that? You know, like, they don't... But no one says anything. Yeah. And then eventually it just goes away. <laughs> I want to talk about... Please. We can talk more, if you have more to say about the movie, but at some point I do want to talk about Clue, the game, the board game. Well, I mean, I do have a thing to say about... I mean, we can sort of work into the game, but uh, one of the things I, I don't think I realized until much later in my life of how subtly the movie actually incorporates the core gameplay of the board game. Yeah. They actually do... I mean, if you've never played Clue, you are playing one of the suspects... And you are moving around the house, going into different rooms, uh, theoretically looking for clues. Um, And that is essentially what everyone does for pretty much the second act of the movie, is that everyone splits up and they're going into different rooms and, like, investigating. I mean, under the auspice of, like, making sure that there's no one else in the house, but it does sort of mimic the gameplay of Clue. Yeah. Which I don't think I, I, I mean, I've realized before this viewing, but it took me a while to realize, like, oh, this is actually the game. This is well, the game. And there's there's secret passages from mm-hmm. room to room, which is a very big part of the game. Apparently, this is from trivia that I did not fact check, but that they match actually what room leads to what room on the board game. The layout of the, at least of the first floor, does mimic the, the board game. The ballroom is in the back yeah. and the kitchen and the conservatory are, are flanking it. And then the dining room uh, is across from the billiard room, and then the study and the lounge are across from each other. So it, the actual—I mean, it's a, it's an actual set that they built, and it does match the the Clue game board, at least the first floor. I mean, the main and the, th- and the passageways do, do match too. The the main thing that was different that I definitely noticed is that Lauren didn't always win. 
every single fucking time. <laughs> so it's the definitely trick not is that accurate. To keep using like a suspect or a room that you have in your hand and it throws the other person off thinking, oh, they think they've found something, but because they keep putting the conservatory in, in their accusations or their suspicions. So it must be in the conservatory, right? Sometimes I'll see people like taking not just like the regular checkmark notes, but like copious notes. <laughs> and I'm like, what am I missing here? What's, what, what are you it's doing? It's just a game of chance, you know. Someone picked three cards and they put it in the envelope. You don't have yeah. to, we don't actually have to figure out where Mr. Body was earlier in the day. Maybe they're just like throwing me off the scent. They're just like, this fucking guy. <laughs> I mean, this is, it's interesting because you see things like, what are the other, Battleship is a notorious example of like, they made a movie that it was like. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Battleship. Was there another vid- Why are we uh, doing- board game? Was, has there been a Monopoly, uh, Monopoly movie yet? I mean, what was that? Uh, Big Short? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, Jenna Maroney in 30 Rock, she constantly references that she was in, uh, she may have been fired from Trivial Pursuit, the, the movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny. Oh, she's great. I don't know if there's any... I mean, Battleship is the most recent one. I saw that, but I don't remember... I remember being, like, about what I thought it was a lot more aliens than the game has. Yeah, I remember being like, I don't know how you would... I don't know how you would do this. It wasn't good, but I also wasn't mad about it because I wasn't you know, expecting anything. You know, you'd also I, think that there, there was already sort of a story built into Battleship. There's, like, a war going on. There's no right. reason to build in, you know, bring in aliens. Yeah, but aliens are great. Who doesn't love Who doesn't love that Alf fella? He seems fun. <laughs> Scientists. That's a good point. They're always <laughs> trying to bring him down. I do want to talk about Mr. Green, and then I will probably um, uh, queen out over Madeline Kahn. First. Oh yeah, I want, I want to talk about. Um, he's a homosexual. <laughs> yes, you picked up on that text. Uh, in, in the film. <laughs> Um, yeah, that is what uh, he's being blackmailed by, like that getting out. Right. He is. Yeah. He is. He works for the State Department, and if he were, if it were discovered that he was a homosexual, he would be uh, fired. And for the most part, there are some exceptions. I am kind of amazed by how not shittily uh, treated Mr. Green is for his homosexuality. I feel like the punchline about Mr. Green is that he's a klutz. He's a dweeb. Very, yeah, he's a dweeb. Yeah. It's not yeah. that he is like. He's that he's an effeminate uh, gay stereotype or anything. But I will say, like, I think Michael McKeon does a really good job of not. He doesn't play him completely straight. So he's like gay in name only, a gyno, if you will. Um, <laughs> but he doesn't play him. Um, That's when over you don't the actually support flamboyant. the gay policies, <laughs> but you claim the gay label. That's when you're Representative Aaron Shock um, <laughs> or Lindsey Graham, I guess, allegedly. But he, there are some flourishes. This time I noticed uh, when they're going back, when they re-split up after the cop arrives, Mr. Green, who's been paired with Yvette, uh, goes up to back up to the attic. And she sort of grabs his arm as they're going up the stairs. And he sort of pulls his arm away in a very, like, conscious, like, kind of annoyed motion, which was, uh, I can see many of my gay friends, and including myself, doing a similar motion if you did not want someone to grab your arm. I also like that a lot of times his gayness is used as a punchline, not just in and of itself, but he is the only man in the group 
who does not want to be paired with a vet. So naturally, he gets paired with a vet uh, to go into the attic together, um, which I think is good for both his character because it may, it means that she doesn't have to be paired with some leering, some lecherous like, character. Yeah. yeah. Um, but also like plays up the fact that he is gay and so he is not really all that interested in whatever Yvette really has to offer since all she seems to be able to offer is a French maid outfit, a bad French accent, and tits. Yeah. He uh, it's, it's oh incredibly ridiculous cleavage situation with it, it, even now as a grown man that yeah. I've seen more boobs, not a lot of boobs. I think sure. we can all. I think we all would have guessed, but uh, that is uh, monumental. Uh, <laughs> um, I have to really just hand it to her. Um, the Mazel Tov, <laughs> Colleen Camp. <laughs> um, they are, and they are pushed up almost like Jessica Rabbit style to be like, yes. "How yeah. is this? How is this working, madam?" But I just wanted to say that that I, I mean there are some moments where it feels a little like the I mean I'm gonna go home and sleep with my la- wife is a clumsy line in and of itself but it's clumsy because it's like just to reiterate this guy ain't gay yeah right um, it's not like hyper offensive but it's like okay see um, I I thought that was like and maybe I'm giving too much credit but like I read that as like he's playing he's playing up the fact that he's not gay in front of the other FBI. Oh, you and think cops. he's still gay? <laughs> that's what um, how I read it, and I don't know if that's what they meant or not. But he's like playing straight, like to the to the nth degree, by being like, "I'm definitely going to have intercourse with this other woman who is." I a enjoy woman having my sex with my wife. And did yeah. you see the tits on that dead lady back there? <laughs> <laughs> that that's interesting. I never th- thought of it that way because yeah, now the FBI and the cops are there. J. Edgar Hoover is an expert in Armageddon. The only other thing I was going to say is that uh, the other male characters, when he he has a very good coming out uh, scene where he says, I'm not going to wait for Wadsworth here to unmask me. I work for the State Department, and I'm a homosexual, and I have to keep that secret under security grounds. And then there's like an awkward pause where just like no one really responds, and he goes, thank, thank you. <laughs> and sits back down again, and Christopher Lloyd immediately gets up, which I think yeah. is like a gay panic joke. Yeah. But I always read that at more like... Christopher Lloyd's character sucks than right. Mr. Green sucks. Maybe right. that's again giving the movie too much credit, but I feel like yeah. everyone here is pretty much a shitbag. <laughs> right. Um, right. So it makes sense that this adulterous doctor who uh, you know steps all over the Hippocratic Oath and fucks his patients seems like uh, probably also a homophobe. Yeah, and th- I mean for a movie made in 1985, released in 1985, created like s- set in the 50s, they did pretty well. For like, uh, for what? For I don't want to give it too much credit or anything, but it was like I was like they have a gay character. There's a reason that it comes out. And it's not like a huge plot point. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it's not brushed over, but it's also like they don't really ever bring it up again, other than what you mentioned, like with Yvette, and then at the end, which I'm not really sure now if I if my interpretation <laughs> was right or wrong. Hey, your head cannon is just as valid as anyone else's. <laughs> it does make it more awkward if it's your way though like if Mm -hmm. if it's actually the movie being like see this guy was straight all along then it's like ooh, that's weird but my way is like no he's acting he's pretending to act you know what i mean i guess i always took his confident smile at that moment as like as like the the that is the truth right rather than like having i feel like it was and i'm not trying to shit all over your view no 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 
you know, uh, viewing is just as creative an act as creating. Sure. Um, he, uh, that's what you say to untalented people like me. <laughs> I feel like if you were if you were like having him lie again because you know the FBI's there, you would play it up a little bit more right, as him yeah. being nervous or or you know shifty or whatever. Um, but that is an interesting interpretation. I, I did like that. Yeah, that was the the takeaway that wow, a movie in 1985 didn't make him a punchline for being gay. They made a punchline because he's a klutz. Right. Yeah. Which is like you know that's the thing with with you gays. You can be just as klutzy and uh, terrible as anybody else. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Obergefell. Um, Equality. <laughs> Do you want to talk love about Madeline? Love, like, love speak- is love. Speaking of being gay, you've been sitting here waiting to talk about <laughs> Madeline Kahn for, for 40 minutes. I think, I mean, as cliche and like uh, as sort of basic bitch pumpkin spice latte as it might be, I really have to give her, for me, the Catherine O'Hara Award, uh, Memorial and VIP Award. She, like, it's hard to run away with this movie, but she has a lot of my favorite moments in this. She, uh... Her, her talk about her husbands are great. Um, he had threatened several times to kill me in public. Why would he want to kill you in public? I think she means he threatened <laughs> in, in, public in public to kill, to kill her. <laughs> and then the, uh, the talk about her illusionist, which I think as a kid, I remember that being my favorite line, aside right. from the flame speech. But, uh, your husband disappeared under mysterious circumstances. That was his job. He was an illusionist. He never reappeared. He wasn't a very good illusionist. She says it just so matter-of-factly. I love that she's just pretty much like, I didn't do it. She's like barely like trying to cover up the fact that she killed two of her husbands. Yeah. I was out all day at the movies. <laughs> Just barely even trying to come up with a motive. <laughs> she also, I mean, I love that moment when they're during the peacock ending where they're singing She's a Jolly Good Fellow, like trying to pretend they're congratulating her for killing all those people. She goes and an she octave starts, up. Like, doing, yes, she does an octave up and she's like singing off key because Madeline Kahn was also a really good singer. I love her so much the slurping in the di- the dinner table it's so awkward and weird with her and Christopher Lloyd slurping their soup and she doesn't wear glasses so she can't remove them constantly <laughs> I do love uh, she asked to get out of the house and Wadsworth's like, no man in his right mind would be loaned together with you. And then later, of course, her and Wadsworth get paired up with the matches. Uh, and she gives him a very serious look like she's going to uh, murder him. Um, she also has a great line when she's lost upstairs and she's trying to sound tough and vicious to a potential killer that might be in the room. And she's like, are you hiding? I'm coming. <laughs> it's so awkward. So let's talk about flames, flames on the side of my face, just really quick. Yeah, she's talking about she's been at, in case you haven't seen it. She's talking about Yvette and why she why she killed her at that moment. Or, yeah, over the course of the movie, yeah. we find that Yvette uh, and Mrs. White knew each other because Yvette had an affair with one of Mrs. White's um, husbands um, right. that she killed. Probably the one she cut his penis off. Uh, while she was at the movies all day. Um, and then she killed I- Yvette. It's revealed in the third ending where everyone has a murder under their sleeve. Um, and uh, Mr. Uh, and Wadsworth calls her out and he says, you were jealous that your husband was stripping Yvette and that's why you killed him too. And uh, she's on the stairs and she comes down and she says, yes, yes, I did it. I hated her so much <laughs> that, that, that flames, flames, Flames on the side of my face, breathless, breathless, heaving breaths, heaving, and then Wadsworth cuts her off. Um, I, 
I mean, this is everyone's favorite line in this movie. Uh, it's such a great moment. Um, it's If you talk about Clue, it's the first thing that almost anyone will uh, quote. Um, I have a, a lapel pin. Um, it's an enamel pin. Um, it's Mrs. White in her veil from when she first enters the house, but she has these giant flames coming out of the side of her face. Um, I love her so much, and I want to talk about why this is such a great moment, aside from the simple fact that it is just really funny. Um, We've talked many times about the fact that this is an ensemble movie, and so uh, most of the time, it's a very claustrophobic movie. This movie like has a motif of people being crammed in doorways. Mister Green and Yvette trying to cram themselves up the stairs at the exact same pace. Yeah, Uh, people like shoving their way into doorways and just being like crammed in there. People knocking at the front door, and the entire guest roster comes to the door to answer it that's a very like it's not necessarily claustrophobic but it's a movie that's always conscious about everyone like being on camera and knowing where everyone is at any moment and this is a very like unique almost unique scene in this movie where the camera like completely like commits to madeline khan right then and she comes down the stairs and the camera moves with her and she's pretty much the only person in frame and we also talked about it's a really tightly scripted movie. There's a lot of like rat-a-tat, like yeah. well-delivered lines by really good comic actors. I mean, there's a lot of like really fast dialogue and no one ever stumbles over anything. It's really like big. And then you have this speech and it's a really like wind-up speech. Like Wadsworth is obviously like setting the tee ball on top of the little stand and he's like ready for Madeline Kahn to like hit it out of the park and then she sort of like uh throws you off because she purposefully punts this wonderful speech (laughs) because instead of delivering a grandiose speech she delivers this rambling nonsense that never really (laughs) goes anywhere um so she's just like sort of where everything else in this movie is really tightly scripted she's just sort of rambling and repeating words and not really getting to a point and then on top of that like Wadsworth cuts her off because he's like you're not going to ever say anything of, of note in this speech so let's just move on it's so good I love well, it I feel, so much that feels really real to anyone who's experienced that like a, a level of rage where you can't it's literally <laughs> can't she can't even she can't even speak she can't even the only thing that my only criticism of that moment is that it felt because it's it is a really unique moment and that's what makes it great it also felt like a little bit like where did this come from i wanted more of this i wanted her to have not just even her but if there were other moments like this where it was more like i don't know it's a different kind of silly like it's a it's almost a completely different kind of humor than any other moment in the movie which makes it stand out and be great but it's also like it's like what like it's a it's a little (laughs) bit out of left field which again this is not like a deep criticism but it's more it more makes me go like like there's one chocolate chip and a vanilla ice cream cone. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, I want more of that. Pour more of right. that on there. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I do think though one of these the strengths of this movie is that it has like a different variety of jokes like throughout yeah. it. There's a dog yes. poop joke. There's right. sex jokes. Um, there's communism like references. A lot of physical um, comedy. A lot of lot of like slapstick physical comedy. A lot of wordplay puns even. And then you have this like grammar. I think according to I. Think I think according to Michael McKeon or someone, maybe it was Jonathan Lynn, the writer, um, 
said, this is an improvised speech. This is Madeline Kahn right, just going right. off. And it is, I think it is, I like that it is completely unique, like just thrown into this movie. Like it's just, here's another style of joke we could have done, but we just did it once. Right. It's great. And I love that Madeline Kahn, of course, gets it to herself. Right. I just love it. It is good. It is very good. I honestly didn't like, having seen this movie a bit, but not like a ton growing up, I didn't really appreciate it until you would quote it <laughs> when we were roommates, especially. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and then you Why are you just rambling and repeating the same three words over and over again? <laughs> yeah, would you like to go to the verdict? I think we're ready. Here, play the play the music from Clue. Damon Anthopoulos, what is your verdict? This movie's great. Like, obviously. <laughs> uh, it's great. I mean, uh, I mean, for all the reasons I've already said, um, it's also 90 minutes, another thing. I mean, Love that. I, Love a good- I don't want to say that all movies have to be 90 minutes, but I think a lot more movies could be 90 minutes than they are. Yes, and, that is 100% true. <laughs> I think that I really enjoy this. I think the cast is like superb. Um, I think you you see the confidence of like older actors and also like pe- generous actors in that they are all like playing in an ensemble. There's no like breakaway star in this. Sorry, Madeline Kahn. It's just uh, a fantastic movie. Um, I think it also is like buoyed by the fact that it's set in the 50s. Even though it's an 80s movie, it's set in the 50s, so you don't have to deal with like rad just somebody yeah. saying rad all you know, the time Madeline Kahn just... coming in on a skateboard or something Martin Mull just doing the drum fill from in the air tonight <laughs> <laughs> Michael McKean in his uh, Reagan Bush 84 t-shirt <laughs> it's just so great and I love that it's gotten um uh, sort of a second life from uh, video rentals like in the 80s and 90s um, and sort of has a cult following now. My brother, actually, I was texting him that we were doing this and he said, I was reading a listicle of overrated movies and when Clue came up on the listicle, I knew that article wasn't for me. And he Whoa. closed the tab. <laughs> I think it's just so fun. I think it is a fun, um, it's one of my favorite movies, but I think it's a great like Saturday afternoon movie. It's raining yeah. out. Let's watch Clue. It's good if you're a scaredy cat like us uh, right. to yeah. watch on Halloween. It's just so great. And I think it's also a good reminder of like what a small little movie can be. It's pretty much one set. Um, it's all pretty much like B or C level actors, at least at this point in their careers. Um, it's... Uh, it's such a strong movie in so many ways. Yeah, Your Inner Child is not an idiot. I was so smart as a kid to know that this was a great movie. I'm going to have to d- agree. Um, that was a close one. Oh, <laughs> Almost my had my you heart there. was in my throat. DJ was found dead that day. I do think that if there was any verdict that would you would murder me over, it'd be this one. No, I think I think this was not as much of a thing for me growing up as it was for you, but I did always like it. I mean, anytime you've got just like, uh, Tim Curry being silly running around. And even as a kid, I'm like, that's fun. <laughs> I really like more Butler running movies. <laughs> I mean, that was the, always what I remembered is just him reenacting the whole thing. Like the whole last, whatever, 
15, 20 minutes. It's just it's a surprisingly like risky. I mean, I don't want to keep stepping on your verb. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's a surprisingly risky venture to be like, and Act Three will just tell you what happened in Act One, and then Two. So right. We'll just be doing that, and I'm like, that is risky, and like it holds up. It yeah. like is very fast paced for one, thank God. Right. Um, but it's it like keeps like the momentum like starts going faster and faster at that point, and it's really enjoyable. It's sorry, go madcap. Ahead. I would one say. might say. I like that. Like you kind of like if you're paying attention or like you know writing it down, you can kind of follow, but it also kind of doesn't matter. Like, yeah, I mean, the mystery doesn't real. Why would Mister Body's Butler uh, leaving if you are following the story of the third uh, plotline? Why would yeah. he pretend to be right. Mister Body? It's so obvious that they would try and kill the man who's blackmailing them, not some random butler. Why would right. you go along with this plan? Yeah, it doesn't. You know, it, it it holds up enough, but it also like doesn't matter if you really follow it because mm-hmm. the the fun is like the the characters and the lines. I think I got a lot out of just like you said the sort of uh, ratatat, the quick line delivery. I was like, there's some really fun wordplay, and it's also very of like of the throwback era, like of the 40s and 50s when people are doing the more of that like fast talking radio voice. You know, like <laughs> that's got that kind of vibe, but not not in an annoying way, like in a way that like kind of makes sense. It's hard for me to just single out madeline khan like because i i appreciate that i mean the speech is great it's wonderful she's really funny but also like if you take there's so few people that you could pluck out of this movie and it still be oh yeah strong like tim curry is amazing and he's carrying it it's he's like it's obviously like more of a star vehicle for him yeah it is i mean if i had to say if anyone's movie it's probably tim curry's movie yeah when he's playing give it to the white man says of course dj (laughs) Give it to the but, straight white man. Jury's still out on that one. Uh, I don't know. You know, like Christopher Lloyd doesn't have like a ton of laugh lines, but he's also like not playing a fo- particularly funny character. You know, like he's, and I think he does a good job. He's he's like a sleaze bag, and yeah. uh, and uh, it's kind of it's kind of funny. And I mean, I loved Michael McKean. What you talked about, like I I thought he was probably the one that I was surprised by how funny i found it and i think i would just say leslie and warren like seemed like she was trying the hardest but i also kind of <laughs> enjoyed like how much her character seemed to be having fun with all this no, like she's she like she's like kind of like well this is fucking crazy like and she's like <laughs> along for the ride and so it was kind of fun to see that well, she also is the only person being blackmailed who has no regrets about what she's being blackmailed for. She's right. just like, yeah, whatever. I, I pay off a lot of people. I'll pay off Mr. Body. Who cares? Right. She's kind of in the blackmail business already, <laughs> so it's not like a big deal for her. But anyway, You're in a Child is not an idiot. Uh, loved it. It's, I agree that it's a good, like, rewatchable, you know, movie because you can catch new things. It's not a perfect movie. There are a couple things that might make you cringe, but it's not it's not like as gross as it could be, especially given the era that came came out. Um, um, yeah, we could. I mean, we could definitely um, throw up flags about you know how they treat the women in the movie, and we could, and you know there's not very many people of color and stuff, and I think that's all fair. But it's also like uh, you know this movie from 1985. You know where where <laughs> it, it could be it, it it could and has been a lot worse in other. <laughs> And other movies from the era, or even much later. What do you think? I mean, I will say. I mean, sorry. uh, I will say. I think. I. I don't know. I mean, some of the women have very a little. Maybe sort of fall into certain stereotypes, like the 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 Black Widow. uh, Yeah. Character that Madeline Kahn plays. This the vamping French maid is probably the most like okay, but. 
I don't know. I I love that all three of the women can like hold their own against the three men. Yes. They're not yeah. like just like I feel like if this they, they constantly threaten maybe not to necessarily make remake this movie, but to make a new clue movie based on the board game. And I can only imagine like that they would get like young starlets to play these uh the female characters and I really just think like the fact that they got like just great character actresses uh rather yeah. than just getting young that are in like their 30s 40s 50s not right. not in their 20s 20s and 20s <laughs> <laughs> right. um it just makes this movie so much stronger that the women can hold hold their own against the men rather than just like the men being the funny ones and the women being pretty right god you don't want it. <laughs> take your hands off me i'm a senator's wife i have to say that that's my brother's uh he used to like to scream that uh when we were children <laughs> What do you think, everybody? Your inner child is an idiot at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text us 615-576-0525. Uh, you can find us on Instagram. You can find us on uh, uh, you know, a little Twitter, bit of Twitter, a little bit Slither of Facebook. Also, you can find us on Slither, the movie Slither. We're featured, you can find us uh, in, that in movie. the background of one <laughs> part of Slither. Also, uh, Sliver, which is, is that the one with uh, Sharon Stone? I thought that was Slither. Which one's Slither? Slither's the one where there's like an alien, like a snake alien. Oh, it's like a slug, right? Oh, yeah. Slither was was uh, that Sharon Stone movie. The only reason I remember that movie is because it's referenced in a um, contemporaneous Simpsons episode. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the only reason that it survives in my mind. But yes, you are absolutely right. There is this Sharon Stone movie named Slither. And I you think can... people were being filmed on televisions. <laughs> you can also find us on Silver, the Lone Ranger's horse. <laughs> We got a weekend getaway, and we're going to use the Groupon. Thank you. We want to thank our patrons for supporting the show, including Travis Vance. Josh Frigo. Frigo? Yep. Is that correct? That's correct. Josh, write in and let me know. <laughs> Damon's Australian accent. His honor, the mayor. Dan McIntyre. Beth Sermont. David Mort. Or Moore, if you're French. Bonjour. Uh, Jonathan Day. The supreme ruler of this podcast. Ah, got a promotion, Jonathan. Uh, just cause Scalphosaurus. Doctor uh, Malcolm's heaving uh, bosom. Heather Tuggle. Tyler Richardson. Captain Jean Luc Picard. Karen Curd. Lindsay Nell. The Zesty. Jacob Grimm. Particle Man. Dramatically placed hot dog. Uh, just thinking about that hot dog still makes me laugh I don't want you to forget that dramatically placed hot dog uh, Larissa Maestro T. Smith Jeremy Powlin and Kevin from Cleveland thank you all very 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 much we really appreciate your support if you want to support the show like them patreon.com slash your inner child's an idiot or your inner child's an idiot.com um, Damon is going to uh, play us out as if he's Madeline Kahn uh, reading Oh, the, I like this setup because I don't know where it's going. The track listing from the new uh, reissue Taylor Swift album. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, I hated Jake Gyllenhaal so much that I, I, I left, I left, I left my scarf uh, at, at his house. And, and, uh, and I think it's at Maggie Gyllenhaal's house now. Um, Maggie Gyllenhaal's wearing it. Uh, <laughs> better than I could have possibly imagined. <laughs> Thank you.